Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to yet another episode of the number one sportscast in the world, ranked by me, myself, and I. It's teeing it up with CMV. I'm your host, Connor. As always, with my co-host, Vladdy, for another week. Another week of football and some extra. How are you, though? How is your brain doing on this fine Tuesday evening, recording a day later than our normal uh, meeting time? Yeah, uh, I'm doing well. Uh I, I, I complained about it last week, uh, about it being a long week. I got a short week, uh, had, had had good football experiences, had good 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 enjoyable weekend. I have nothing to, to complain about. I have nothing to really say. I'll turn it over to you and we'll get into sports. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. The vibes are, vibes are great. Uh, school-wise, got the fall break the last two days going into now a, a two-day two school week, which uh, always makes me happy with myself so I, i'm also flying high ready as always to kind of get into the sports topics for the week um to start us off i'm going to kind of mention before we get into our inevitable talk about the great game of football uh baseball since we last spoke uh another series or another round is done in the mlb playoffs the alcs and the nlcs are set uh, and have been going on the first couple games uh, in the AL, you are you have the the battle of Texas with the Astros and the Houston, the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers. There you go. Uh, and then in the NL, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies and the Arizona Diamondbacks. As far as the NLCS, I think the Phillies are kind of the favorite. Uh, you've got the two wild card teams. Actually, in both series, you have the two. No, that's not right. Uh, you have three of the four. Three of the four wild cards. Uh, are three of the four teams left um, in this uh, the CS round for the playoffs. As far as the NLCS, uh, Phillies are a slight favor. I watched a bit of the game last night. The Phillies won 5-3. Uh, they kind of just got to Gallon. Uh, Zach Wheeler looks great. He's a great play- playoff pitcher. His numbers in the playoffs are insane. ERA below three, uh, seven and two and nine career starts now. Uh, he's 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 been great in his career. Uh, that fastball, 96, 97, with a lot of life, plays even higher. Um, Bryce Harper last night hits another home run. They've kind of gone. The Phillies are the favorite because they the stars have aligned for them. Bryce Harper's hitting 400 with four home runs in the postseason. Nick Castellanos is hitting 420 with five home runs, and Trey Turner is hitting 450 with three home runs so far in the playoffs. That's usually a recipe for success when you're uh, two, your two highest-paid players are hitting 400 plus Harper. I want to mention had one of the cooler celebrations yesterday after his home run yesterday was his 31st birthday, which it's hard to believe it's hard. You can look at it from both sides. It's hard to believe that he's 31 or like he's already 31. It feels like yesterday he was like that, the big time prospect. But I also think of it as like, he's only 31. Like this man has been in the league forever now. Uh, he's one of the rare baseball guys that was up at 19 years old. And you see most of these kids, um, if you're up by 21, 22, that's considered early and young. Most guys don't even get a shot, especially pitchers, um, which Harper isn't until, you know, they're mid-20s these days with the way the, the pay structure goes in this newest CBA. Uh, so, anyways, he hits a home run and he goes like this with the three and the one in his fingers and blows out the candles as he touches home plate. Thought that was kind of kind of sick. Uh, the ALCS, the Battle of Texas. Max Scherzer is rumored to be coming back. I'm not sure if that's true. He didn't start either either of the first two games. Hasn't mattered. Texas has rolled the Astros in both of the first two games. Uh, game one, Verlander goes seven strong, gives up two solo home runs. I think he only gave up like one or two hits besides that. Doesn't matter. That's it. Two-nothing game. Low scoring, relatively uneventful. Um, and then... Uh, game two yesterday, Texas jumps out to a five nothing lead. Astros slowly chip away at it till it gets to five four in the ninth before uh, Altuve makes the last out and they're not able to come back. So uh, they're in trouble. The Astros. I kind of like to see it, although I'm not like crazy on the on the Rangers being the new team in the AL. Um, they are another big spend. Got good kind of by spending a lot of money, uh, although they do have a couple of nice young pieces. Um, but the Astros go now to Dallas. I guess it's not a huge um, away, da- uh, away field advantage, away field disadvantage. I guess you would say, um, being only a couple hours from Dallas. 
kind of interesting. I, th- I thought of this the other day is like the AL, they're going to travel three hours for series. And um, the NL series is halfway is basically opposite ends of the country in Philly and Arizona. Yep. So uh, that's just my final note. Uh, I, we'll get back to you. That's the baseball talk for today. Switching gears now to football, specifically the I almost said the amateur variety. It's essentially not at this not point. College anymore. football. Uh, we'll get into our usual segments. We'll start this week with our f- surprise of the week. Vladdy, who surprised you this week? Um, maybe this isn't necessarily a surprise, but at least to me, it's kind of a we counted them out. I'm going to say Alabama. Um, I'm retracting the statements that we've made over the last couple weeks here. They're very much alive in the SEC race and the college football playoff race. Their next two games are against ranked LSU and ranked Tennessee, but both of them are at home. And then after that, they finish with Kentucky, a local high school the week before the Iron Bowl, and then obviously the Iron Bowl. And they're absolutely in the mix to win this, to win out and meet Georgia in the SEC title game. Georgia, by the way, no longer has Brock Bowers, who will be out for the rest of the regular season and most likely the SEC title game. He could come back for the college football playoff should they make it there. But no, Alabama is very, very much alive. And the other thing that will be going in favor of them is not that this is uh, it's just how I've seen it happen in the past is they lost early. The, the Obviously, the recency bias when teams lose, it's better to lose in week three than it is to lose in week 12 because then you drop behind the other one lost teams and you got less time to make it back up. But they're very much alive. If they're 12 and one, they're going to be in the playoffs. That, that That's just how it is. And that, I mean, that'll really set up a conundrum in kind of college football as a whole. Because if you have 12 and one Georgia, who's been the number one team for the last three years, and 12 and one Alabama, you're probably looking at two college football playoff spots already gone. And then the rest of the conferences look like they might be able to produce one lost champions this year or no lost champions in the Big Ten's case. I think we're going to be looking at a real year where it's like, well, why couldn't the expanded playoff have come now? Yeah, I think we kind of knew that going in, that this is a year that there's no true great team. Um, although you, I say that with an asterisk with Michigan because they're not that. They've looked like that, but they're not. You can't call them that because they haven't played a real football team yet, and they won't for another two weeks when they play Penn State. They go to Penn State on November uh, 4th, I think it is, uh, whatever it is. Um well, like I said, a lot of good teams. We've kind of reiterated this week after week, a lot of good teams, not a lot of great teams, and it makes sense for a 12-team playoff in a year like this. As far as Alabama, like I said, I think I, – I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I've definitely said this uh, as a take in general, is that, like, Alabama kind of looks like they found their identity. They're not going to kill teams with Jalen Milrow. They know they're just kind of this grinded-out, good defensive team, uh, run the ball. Um, get the ball to Burton when you can. Like they have kind of found their identity identity after the loss, and it's not the super dominant Alabama team of the past. It's more of a grind away, grimy football team. Uh, and it's one of those teams where you look up at week after week and you go, "Oh, only beat A and M by six. Oh, only beat Arkansas by four. And then you look up, and again, it'll be like you said, it'll be mid December, and we'll be looking at them uh, at eleven and one and playing in an SEC championship game. I truly believe that at this point. Um, my surprise of the week is Caleb Williams and the USC Trojans. Um, they looked like they forgot to wear Trojans, to be quite to be quite honest. Okay. Uh, that's one way to say it. <laughs> that's I like. I think we called them out together, or we had been calling them out together, kind of that they're going to be this odd team out in the Pac-12. Prior to that loss, I was just surprised how much of a poop they took at Notre Dame, didn't even look like they belonged in the same class. Caleb Williams ran for his life. Notre Dame nearly put up a 50-burger. I was surprised that Lincoln Riley didn't have them more prepared for that, uh, to go into a hostile environment like that. I know we had been calling them out the two weeks prior. I was still surprised by the dump they took in South Bend. Yeah, um, I'm just going to I'm gonna piggyback off that because that was my fraud of the week. And I guess I, I specifically tailor it to the offense because we've always talked about, oh, my God, this offense can hang with anybody. This offense is great. It's the defense that let him down. The defense didn't even play that bad. If you factor out the interceptions and kind of the short fields that Caleb uh, put his, put his left his defense on, I think they gave up 
10 to 15 points. It was, it, it, they, they did their job. And Caleb Williams, now, like you mentioned, he was, he was getting pressured on every throw. I get that. It's not, it's not easy when a second after you've taken the snap, you've already got a dude in your face, but he looked bad. Bad. So looked bad in the, and it, granted, it's probably the first time he's truly been in that, that type of spot since he's been the quarterback. You know, for Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma and now USC uh, in the last two and a half seasons. But the body language and the mannerisms, he looked like he embraced defeat essentially by his body language in the first half when they were when they were yeah. down, you know, 17 to three in the first half. And you knew it was over then when the captain, the Heisman winner, your team looks like that. Uh, I was su- surprised by just kind of the lack of anything there. And that starts at the top with Caleb Williams. I mean, he was garbage himself, and the body language and the leadership was not there. Something to look at, I think. Beginning stages of something to look at. Is he an attitude problem guy? Well, yeah, and I, I do want to say a couple more things before I turn it over for your fraud. I just wanted to say um, that you saw the the picture of the Notre Dame fans who were kind of in his face as he's walking off the field and they're storming it. Yeah. Um, that – that I, I like you said, it, it, is there attitude issues? Is he a likable guy or not? I, I kind of sympathize in that regard. Where if you're a kid and you know you just beat USC and it's a big win for Notre Dame, probably their biggest one that any of those kids have ever seen, just take it and move on. Don't don't get in the players' faces. That's one of the that's one of the few times where I would have been like, you know what? If he turned around and punched the kid, I'm okay with it. I, I would have been completely fine. Yeah, I would not have had an re- reaction to it. Um there's a part of me that's it's par for the course in those types of situations when 19 year old kids doing stupid things. And like, like, what did you expect that, that someone was going to do something stupid? But like I said, just cause he does it doesn't mean he doesn't deserve to be yeah. punched in the face still. Yeah. So that's kind of where I land on that. Um, I want to say, I'm sorry. One, one last thing about USC as a team as a whole, um, they, they lose by 28 and that probably, all but kills their college football playoff hopes. I know they can still finish 12 and one. I mean, this loss isn't even a Pac 12 loss, so they're still undefeated in conference play. It's just the committee looks at losses, and if you have a bad loss, if you get blown out by 28 points, even if it's on the road, not going to go very well. Signed the 2018 Ohio State Buckeyes. They're not going to look at you in, in, in a very high regard. Yeah, and off of that, like, even if looking at them in whatever regard you want to look at schedule it goes home versus number 14 utah uh away versus a 500 cal team uh home versus wash number five washington away versus number nine oregon and then away versus number 25 ucla they're going to play four ranked teams in their next five games um with two of them being road games there's no way they go through this gauntlet and don't lose another after after watching them do that. Yeah, but and, and like I said, maybe this is this is the peak of the Pac-12 capitulation. Maybe they only lose one of them, still make it to the playoff and become, or still make it to the to the Pac-12 title game and the next iteration of a two-loss Pac-12 champion. Right. Uh, so that kind of piggybacks into my Pac-12 fraud of the week. Um, they're from the same game. My fraud and then game of the week are, are the same game, uh, different situations. My fraud of the week is Dan Lanning, the head coach for the Oregon Ducks, yep. uh, who pissed away any chance Oregon has at the playoffs um, with some poor coaching, some poor situation coaching, some poor clock management. Uh, pretty much cost them the game. Granted, their cook kicker went on Jake Moody on them at the end of the game and missed a field goal. Uh, we'll get into that both that later. Um, yeah, like I multiple situations in the first half, second half. Uh, obviously, I think he kind of went viral, ironically, for saying against Colorado that we're we're playing for wins, they're playing for quicks, and that kind of got him on the map this year. Uh, and now he does that in the biggest spot of their season against a good Washington team on the road. He cost them that game. Uh, Agreed. That was a great game, and that was the difference in the game. So Dan Lanning is my fraud of the week. Yeah, I mean, completely agree. Uh, I 
I mentioned him. I didn't want to call him the fraud of the week just because I figured I was going to mention him in my game of the week. I know we like to kind of pick different different games just to be able to have different uh, more stuff to talk about, but I really don't think there was anything no. else in college worth talking about. Both of us are going to say our game of the week is Oregon-Washington, and there's yep. no question about it. It, it was – it was the game of, in my opinion, it's the game of the season so far. I know Florida State and LSU kind of played a fun game at the beginning, but I think the stakes when it's at the, it's, when it's still August and you're playing a non-conference games. We're still oh, one by 20. Yeah, I I don't know what I'm talking about. I would say you could probably look at Texas, Oklahoma the week before and um, Texas, Bama, maybe. No, no, no. There's, there's another one I'm missing. Don't uh, see. I don't count Notre Dame, Ohio State, if that's what you're thinking of. Oh uh, no, that was not what I was thinking. But that I, I would throw that in there as well. Um, I guess I, I completely forgot about the Red River. Shame on me. But the reason I didn't really hold OSU and Notre Dame to the same regard is because that game was kind of a bunch of sputtering offenses, and it, it basically it was a race to 15 as opposed to two teams playing kind of at the not the height of their ability, but playing high-level football, down and back, kind of the, the the ebbs and flows, you know, oh, Washington's down, then oh, Washington goes up by, I think, 10 in the second half, Oregon comes back, the give and the take where every possession, like, not, I don't want to say not only truly mattered because in the other games they did as well, but the the fact that you still got to see some action as opposed to just punt, 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 Big Ten football, fumble, punt, doink kick. Yeah, I'm still missing another big game, and it's going to drive me insane that I haven't gotten it yet. Well, um, you search for your big game. I'll, I'll, I'll keep talking just a little bit more because I think there was some other stuff I had written down. Um, Michael Penix Jr. takes full control of the Heisman race between his game yeah. and what Caleb Williams did or didn't do. Um, Roma Dunze is fighting for the Boletnikov with Keon Coleman and Marvin Harrison Jr., if we're talking about pure stats, I think Coleman's probably got it, but obviously Her- Marvin Harrison is that kind of generational prospect that that will give him sympathy votes. And Keon Coleman is, or, and Roma Dunze's filthy. I mean, we talk about Keon Coleman being able to win a jump ball. Dunze's right there with him. It, it'll be a fascinating race to kind of, as the season goes on. I mean, we mentioned Dan Lanning. Some of those kicks are not kicks, don't kick, kick. Don't it, it was a little bit of Dan Campbell esque where I think a little bit of the a little bit of the thought process may, maybe left left the building. I understand going for the first one at the end of the first half. I actually really do. I mean, you're down four, you still have an entire half of football to play. But the second one when they were down eleven and it's the clock starting to run out, I think they were kind of nearing the beginning of the fourth quarter. Don't put yourself in a position to to go down by three scores or to stay down two scores, make it a one score game. That way, you know, when you get the ball back, you can tie it up. Yeah. Uh, I did. I did think of that. I did think of the game. It was Florida state Clemson was the one I was thinking. Uh, that was a good game. I would say those, those are in the mix for, in any order for your top five with probably Oregon, Washington being um, probably number one so far. Uh, yeah. Another game that was uneventful uh, and a good game for the wrong reasons was Michigan State Rutgers. I know you wanted to mention that. Good transition. Um, just another 24 to 6 with, I believe, 11 and a half minutes to go. Michigan State ends up losing 27 um, 24. It starts with a, a botched punt attempt that was led to a touchdown, and then it just kind of went downhill from there. I think the only takeaway is you know, Keaton Hauser is kind of the guy moving forward. Uh, and as a fan, you know that after this weekend, this upcoming Saturday, you could kind of turn off the television on Saturdays. Yep. Completely agree. Um, that that kickoff, I don't know if that's what you're talking about when you said the botch punt, but that kickoff is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Maybe the guy thought it was a punt, and that's why he didn't pick up the ball. But, yeah, just kind of classic Michigan State. You mentioned Kattenhauser, who looks like, I know you and I were a little critical of him watching it. There were some bad throws, but he's freshman. It's it's nice to get a – if we're going to suck, you might as well suck with a freshman because you know there's at least two to three more years of him not sucking with a dude who's been here for three years and couldn't sniff the field behind an average Peyton Thorne. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing I'll say, maybe previewing the Michigan game uh, – don't don't lose by 60, I guess. 
keep it, make, try and make it a game after the first quarter so I can emotionally invest myself in it just to be heartbroken, kind of like last year. Yeah. I, I would. What's a number that you would say, okay, that's respectable? Covering? Is it just covering the 24 and a half? No, because do you understand how much 24 and a half is? Yeah, but do you understand that they've beaten like an Indiana, a Rutgers who beat us? and a Nebraska team who are pretty much our ballpark by like an average of 48 points the last three weeks. Sure. And none of those, none of those teams are Michigan state on the road. Michigan state should never lay down just because Michigan is one of the best teams in America. And just because we suck it, just because they're good and you're not, doesn't give you the right to not show up. Um, so and again, when I say 24 and a half is a lot, you could backdoor cover at 31 to three. And you score a touchdown, and you you were never even in the game, and you're still covered. Thirty-one ten, yeah, okay, yeah. So, that, like, like I said, is I think for me a respectable. I don't necessarily care about the score. For me, it's more of a timing thing. Just get into the second half, make it reachable. Now, reachable doesn't have to mean three points, seven points, ten points. Let's say make it two scores, and you have the ball into the second half. Let's make it. Let's say that. That, that, that's for me what I want to do is just prolong the game. It's kind of one of those where the longer you stay in it and the longer the favorite gets – the longer the favorite hasn't pulled away and their starters aren't on the bench, the nerves pick up, the fans yeah. pick up, and you've got nothing to lose. You're going to be 2-10 and 10 or maybe 3-9, and nine, whatever the season ends. Go do something. Go have a day. Yeah, it is crazy because it is the total – Definition in the Webster's Dictionary of you have nothing to lose and they have everything to lose. Yep, They're the best team in the country, number two in the country ranked. Uh, you are a nobody program right now, unfortunately. Uh, after the Mel Tucker situation, you're not going to be good for a long time. As a state fan, we're going to have to listen to this bullshit for the next decade, it seems, it seems like <laughs> the way it's going. Uh why not? Uh, why not? That, that's Night game. Uh, it's going to be cold and wet all day. Why not go in there in your own building and at least take it to them? Uh, I, yeah. I don't think I, – I think there is a chance that the defense, they're not going to put up the 50-burger that they've been putting up against. Our defense is okay enough that it's kept kind of everybody – nobody's really put up uh, a big number on us besides Washington so far, and we've seen what they are. Uh, that I think like it, it they're they're gonna be probably in the mid thirties, low thirties. Uh, it's just I don't think we're gonna be able to keep up with them at all. I think we'll maybe score ten in the first half and struggle to score after that. Uh, I see this being like a thirty-four to ten. We're right on. I hate being right on that cut cover line, but that's kind of where I'm at. So can I can I ask one question? Did you say yeah. it was gonna be wet? Is it raining in East Lansing on Saturday? It's a 50% chance of rain all day. Is Mark D'Antonio bringing back the weather machine? A high of 54 degrees. He's He might be. He might be. Mark D'Antonio and the weather machine, the greatest combination that we ever had. But, no, the last thing I wanted to say, did you see the the, the special jerseys we came out with? Yeah, the blacks. Yeah. yeah, we're wearing black to our own funeral. Yeah, that is kind of the vibes I get. Um, maybe we're wearing blacks so that urban meyer will see like hey these guys got such cool uniforms maybe i should go coach there for 14 million dollars a year hey listen it's not my money if he wants 14 million a year to come off a of big noons kickoff show and come come work for us come do it man it is it is the uh like embarrassment of riches of of a big program like state to just assume that Urban Meyer would want to leave to come to your program. Listen, everyone's got a price. Everyone has a price. I just don't think we're willing to give him that price. And his because his price is very high to get him to leave a cozy job after the, the shit he's been through at his last two stops. Yeah. Like I don't think that price is gonna quite actually align with what listen. We're all I know with. is it ain't even Michigan State's money. If Matt Ishbia and Steve St. Andre and whatever other billionaire donor says we want Urban Meyer and we're going to pay for Urban Meyer, you get Urban Meyer. 
Yeah, you do get Urban Meyer. Um, I I am just kind of of the camp. I know we haven't really talked about the coaching stuff. Uh, that'll kind of be a topic more for I think the off season um, and next uh, early next fall or summer. Um, but I really don't see the billionaire alumni wanting to dish out the big contract right away again, like they did to Mel Tucker. I I see them taking a smaller up and coming name for really that they are only going to have to pay, say a nice, like five a year for. But can I just say one thing? You know why they're billionaires? They're risk takers. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. No, but you, you mentioned that, that that'll be a very fun conversation to have probably in December or maybe January once bowl season's over and coaches are kind of allowed to start talking and the hiring cycle starts. Hopefully, I, I guess the only thing I can really say is hopefully Michigan State, because they know they're going to need a coach, hopefully they can get ahead of the cycle and they can poach one of those top talents before some SEC school or someone else comes up with an opening they didn't think they were going to have and then we play we get played second fiddle. That's all I can say. Is Ryan Kelly. Make, make, sure you're, make sure you're proactive. Did you say Brian Kelly? Did you say Brian Kelly? Yeah. Oh my. He God. might get fired. He might get fired. He's not getting fired after two years. He might. They fired at Coach O a year and a half after he won them a national championship. Coach O was a 500 coach there. He won a national championship. Do you know what Michigan's going to do to Harbaugh once he wins a national championship this year? Do you know why Michigan hasn't won an outright national championship since 1947? Because they're Mickey Mouse. They play all. They they do that that exact thing. They do what you're about to say. He's going to well, We can't all be LSU. We can't all be LSU. I know, but hey, we, we've rambled about college football too long. Let's make it to the pros. Kind of a letdown of a week across the board. Not See, so I didn't think it was quite as bad as you as you made it made it out to be. I just think it was too many defensive battles. Yeah, too, you're right. A lot too much low scoring. Too right. many injuries. Get you're the right. grass fields back. Get rid of turf. You're right. It was uh, a where good do you want to start? Curve. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start with the Lions, kind of like we always do. I love it. Lions get the afternoon slate this week, go down to Tampa, play uh, what was, seemed like uh, a neutral site game with the amount of Lions fans there, uh, go in and beat a, a solid uh, Tampa Bay team 20-6. to six. Uh, I'm going to say this. The Lions are a very good team. They're, I think they're right up there with 49ers and the Eagles in the NFC, probably just a step below them. Um I, I think this is one you're going to look back and the Bucks are not going to be that good of a team. Yeah. I know we, we kind of came into this game as this is, this is a big test for the lions. And it was, uh, you obviously had Montgomery go down in the game and they, the offense as good as, as good as golf was in this game, wasn't really, especially in the first half lighting the world on fire. Uh, and you kind of got a good defensive effort, uh, to, to, to get a good, another double digit win. A scrappy win, but I think you look back at the end of the season and when Tampa's seven and ten, seven and nine, you go or seven and ten, you look at this and go, Oh, yeah, this wasn't as big of a deal as we thought it was. Hey, they might be seven and ten, they'll still would probably win that division. That division blows, but um, I guess I was gonna say, I, I was gonna kind of say a couple things that that was one of the coolest color combos I've ever seen. I know we oh. talked about that, we watched that game together. The light blue and the white mixing with that orange creamsicle and white. It was beautiful. Beautiful. Um, Do you think you could make a team with those colors? Say like the lion's blue with that creamsicle. Do you think that would work? I think it contrasts too much, to be honest. I think you'd be, you'd be looking at some like, like like a kindergartner when they get, when they get on sugar high and they just go all crazy and they think this is the greatest thing ever, but. I just or, I think that's or a kindergartner when like my mom like let me dress myself basically. There you go. That that's probably the one. But no, speaking about the game specifically, I think um I think you're underplaying this a little bit. Maybe the Buccaneers don't turn out to be that good of a team at the end of the season, but when you look at what we were going into it, we were banged up going into the game. You mentioned losing Montgomery. Gibbs not even there, so you're playing with I mean, you saw, I don't know if you saw Justin Pugh on his uh, Sunday night intro, off the couch. You were oh, playing, yeah. yeah. You were playing with your running back off the couch, um, playing against a team coming off a bye week, on the road, or as you say, on the 50-50 neutral site game. But the defense was absolutely sensational. 
They controlled the game the entire time. Started off with the interception to kind of get us some points. We obviously couldn't capitalize with a full touchdown, but they put us ahead early. And it never really – I never really felt like we were going to lose the game, I'm going to be honest with you. The de- – like I said, the defense stifling. Now, granted, Baker Mayfield's not the greatest quarterback. We've seen that. But the their run game, Rashad White, Kashawn Vaughn couldn't do much. They got some cool garbage time yards at the end, but – and, and you know what's you- surprising about the defensive effort is it, it was really – it felt like mostly the secondary, um, where it, in the past, especially of recent Lions history, that has been arguably the biggest bugaboo is that we haven't – we don't have anybody that could guard like you or me playing receiver, let alone in Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. Yep. Um, and the secondary was good. It felt like we had kind of a lot of coverage pressure, a lot of Baker Mayfield running – uh, and having to throw the ball away or throw to a second or third option on a route um, as opposed to necessarily maybe what's been better as far as the front seven. Um, now, with that said, Anzalone um, and Jack Campbell both had great games at the linebacker position. That also contributed to it. But it goes into it as like I didn't really notice Hutchinson, who's usually our best player on defense too much. He had a couple of quarterback rushes. Uh, I'm not sure we had many sacks at all, to be honest. For a team I don't know. I don't know if we did have a sack. I think it was yeah. a lot of Baker running and then throwing it away or kind of one of those, like you say, a coverage sack. There wasn't really a Aiden blew up the left tackle and blindsided the quarterback in two seconds like we have seen in the past. Um, going, going to the offense, again, we talk about the running game being non-existent. That was also impressive for me was the fact that even though we had to become one-dimensional and Tampa Bay knew we had to become one-dimensional, we were still able to move the ball. Jared Goff, 350 yards passing, I believe, two touchdowns with no interceptions, when you really couldn't disguise anything because Tampa Bay, there was there was no threat of Craig Reynolds or the the Odigbo, I forget what his name is, the, the guy who came in after Monty got hurt. There was never a threat that they were doing here on the ground so Tampa Bay could play the pass and Goff played it perfectly. Amon Ross St. Brown is kind of working his way to becoming probably a top five receiver in football, in my opinion. I think I had him ranked eighth going into the season, but he's kind of he's moving up. He's kind of doing those things that I said um, other guys could do that he couldn't. Here's where I, what I'll say about Amon Ross. He's a guy that, like you said, a Lions fan probably knew had a chance to be a top ten receiver in football going into this year. I would say the average NFL fan had him as probably a top 25 receiver in football. Uh, I think you're underselling him. Uh, I think now every fan in football can't deny he's a top 10 wide receiver in the league. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I had him at eighth. I think, I think the top six are kind of set in stone. Um, And then I had him behind, I think AJ Brown, but in any case, he's 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 making a push. This game was amazing. The that the, the touchdown catch he had, where he got that crack block from Craig Reynolds, who got shot out of a cannon, came under the screen. No one saw where he came from, and he just hit a guy. And Amon Ra got to tiptoe into the end zone. Sensational. I mean, Jamison Williams getting more tread on the tires. He did have a bad drop. Two plays later, he makes up for it with a really well-designed – or not designed, but a really good track back to kind of find the football and kind of bail out a, maybe a slight underthrow that Goff had on that deep ball. We want to see more of that. We don't want to see more of the drops. We want to see more of J-Mo getting the, being able to play on the field because there was a lot. I know we, we watched the game together. We mentioned it. He was probably on the field for 50% of the snaps, maybe. Yeah. That's, that's where it still gets me with him. It's like – yeah. He can make these electric plays once a game, and that that serves a role, like a good role for this team. But like as a first round pick, with the expectation he had out of Alabama, I need you to do more than play twenty snaps. Yeah, like I completely. Agree. I, I don't know why they hold him back so much if he's not there yet. That's still my frustration with him. Agreed. Um, it, it, it's always weird. It seems like it is more of a we're not going to let you go to what you can be as opposed to you haven't shown us. And maybe he hasn't shown him in practice. Maybe he hasn't developed the chemistry with golf that Josh Reynolds has or the other guys have, and that's why he's not getting as much run. But they'll work their way up um, year one and a half. We'll get there. But I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the the schedule coming up. I, I don't really have too much about the game specifically. I guess I'll turn it to you. Do you have anything else about the game specifically before we get to the schedule? 
No, that's it. Okay, so I was looking at this, and obviously we got help from the Jets and the Browns who beat the 49ers and the Eagles um, on Sunday. But I look at the schedule, and I know things change, but there are only two games left on our schedule that scare me. And when I say scare me, it's where it's like I can't reasonably – with some level of confidence, say we should win this game. There's only two games where I can't say that. It's the Ravens and it's the Cowboys. I am not afraid of the Chargers. We're a better team than the Chargers. Now, again, I know it's the NFL. Nothing comes easy, and the Lions will probably find a way to lose one or two games just because that's how it goes. I get that. But if you took any game remaining on the schedule and said you're playing that game on Sunday – the only two games where I cannot reasonably say we should win this game is the Ravens and the Cowboys. Every other game we can win. Yeah, I personally would throw the Chargers in there just because of like uh, the game they played on Monday night with the Cowboys. I don't know how you really truly differentiate between the two the way that ended up going. Um, obviously, the Ravens now next week on the road. You're a three-point underdog now. It's gone up even since I last looked at it. Um yeah, I mean, you look at, at home against the Raiders, it's got to be a win. Uh, Chargers, we just talked about. Home against the Bears has got to be a win. Home against the Packers has got to be a win. Home away against the Saints should be a win. The Bears should be a win. Broncos, terrible. Vikings, not great. Cowboys, and then Vikings again. Yeah, I think you're looking at this team probably, if I had to guess right now, gun to my head, I think they lose probably four game, four more games this year. All right, you're on the conservative side. I mean, I, I would probably also say I uh, to be a middle ground, I I'll say 13 and 4. However, 14 and 3 in my opinion is a very very real possibility. Yeah, with this schedule, yeah. I mean, I, I like I said, I somewhat conservative, but 12 and 5 is still like that's going to be a three game lead in, at least in the division. I think the way this more is- the the our division's terrible. Then again, it, and that's assuming the Vikings don't blow it up. Yeah, that is assuming that. Although Kirk Cousins obviously came out this weekend that he's not going to waive his no move clause and that he's happy to stay in Minnesota. Um, so who knows how much blowing up you can do while you still have a yep. franchise quarterback? Um, yeah, the schedule is easy. I mean. You're lucky as much as people want to talk about the AFC West uh, with the Chargers kind of being this I don't lack of a better way to put it bipolar team, I think, is you don't know. They're kind of like the Bengals right now is you don't know what team you're going to get week to week. It seems like uh, the AFC West is terrible besides once now that we've beaten the Chiefs, the Raiders and the Broncos. That's your AFC team division you're playing. Uh, and then you play the second place teams in the rest of the divisions. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing I'll say is maybe I'm not as high on the Chargers as you are just because I personally don't like Justin Herbert. I think he's an absolute bum, and I'll get into him later. But um, I, I I, do not – I'm not scared of the Chargers at all. The Ravens scare me a lot next week. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it looks like Gibbs will be back. Montgomery will probably not be playing that game. You look at some of the other guys, who knows what's going to happen. Um, given that it's Baltimore, you're probably not going to get the same traveling fans advantage that you've gotten in the last two away games at Lambeau, which is territorially close to Michigan, and then down in Florida, which who doesn't love a good vacation in Florida? Go watch the team play a road game. Go see what Raymond James Stadium looks like. But I don't know. I think that I think I was looking at it statistically. We have the easiest strength of schedule left in football. So go capitalize on it. Go make a push for the one seed. Yeah, I love it. All right, let's get into our segments for the NFL. Yes. Uh, your uh, surprise of the week in the NFL. My surprise of the week is I, I talked about this a little bit. I'm just going to say the poor quality of offenses kind of league wide. I know there's injuries. I mean, you've got a plethora of teams playing with backup quarterbacks. You've got Justin Jefferson, Saquon limited fields died in the middle of the game. Jimmy G goes down in the middle of the game. Anthony Richardson's gone. Nick Chubb hasn't played CMC and Debo go down. I understand there's a, a lot of injuries to very, very key skill position players, but I just kind of feel like offenses this year haven't quite figured it out. I mean, this week specifically, nine of the 14 games didn't have either team go over 21. 
11 of the 14 games didn't have either team go over 24. And I, I just, I, again, it's there is no really narratives to come from this. It's more of just like, for me, a statement. That's why it's a surprise is in a league that's so tailored to offenses in a league where the, the rules get changed on the fly for offenses. The, pe- the penalties are always, always seem to fall in favor of offenses. I, I'm kind of surprised at the low output or low quality of offense that we've seen so far. Yeah, it seems like a lot of teams can't figure it out. Meanwhile, the Dolphins are playing like Madden on rookie mode as far as offense goes. Um, but <laughs> my uh, surprise of the week, and it's it's a rather ironic and not I don't think super obvious answer after watching two un- the two last undefeated teams go down this week. I'm actually picking neither of them. Uh, it's the Bills who ended up winning on Sunday Night Football in an ugly 14 to nine game uh, against the Giants. They fall into the category of who the hell knows. They're doing the same shit they did last year. This They're showing the same signs that they're not ready to take the next step. They're not ready to truly be that AFC team and make a Super Bowl, let alone win a Super Bowl. Um, yeah, like I, I can't, can't – they're doing the same shit as last year. I think they're, they're – obviously they sit at four and two, and it's kind of hard to say that. Um, but again, you should have should have lost on Sunday yes. night. I think personally, yes. uh, Josh Allen looks shaky. Stephon Diggs and him don't look like they're getting along too well right now. They have no run game. Um, the defense has been actually okay. Um, they're obviously missing some pieces with injury. Von Miller came back last week, um, and he was played on Sunday night, but obviously keep going here uh but i have no idea what to what to feel or think about the bills after that so they're my surprise of the week and it comes after uh a loss in jacksonville and london and then after you looked great in your previous two games obviously beating the dolphins who are now emerged as one of the the contenders in the afc if not the whole nfl uh kick the shit out of them uh and then to come back and throw an absolute dud in london and then come back here and almost lose to probably one of the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, I They're just not there yet for me yet. Uh, they're a clear step below Kansas City, uh, Miami, uh, maybe even Cincinnati, the way they've played the last two weeks as far as actual contenders in the AFC. I'll, I'll agree completely there. Um, they were So not they specifically. My fraud of the week was – whatever the hell happened at the end of both halves of that Sunday night game. Oh God. So the, the end of the first half where that's horrible times running out and what is Brian Dayball an idiot for play calling or did Tyrod Taylor opt into a stupid run? Yes. Any- what did you think? Uh, that's could you, what did you, he had to have opted in for something. I, not really. I also do think it was a little bit of what, did, what did Tyrod Taylor do? Did he, forget that he doesn't have timeouts, whatever it might be. But yeah, the, you threw away chance at uh, a chance at points in the, at the end of the first half. And that, again, I don't want to play the butterfly effect because you never know how the half will turn out afterwards. But if you assume they kick a field goal there, you get down to the end of the, you get down to the end of the game and you're sitting at the doorstep, you get to just kick a field goal and win the game, but they didn't do that. And then I, I still want to talk about the, that, play call that they had on the on the untimed down I did not understand that at all I don't know if there was a miscommunication but it looked super weird because none of the linemen blocked I mean Tyrod Taylor took the snap turned around and five Bills guys are converging on him it's like what the fuck is going on and he just throws it up did Darren Waller get fouled maybe are they gonna call every tic-tac knick-knack foul no so they were they were given a nice foul to even get to the untimed down. So I just think that kind of the, that was so weird by what the giants did. You mentioned they absolutely should have won that game. I mean, you talk about kind of the bills dysfunction. Um, I think they've kind of found themselves in a really weird spot where you're right. Diggs and Allen look like there is a little bit of a disconnect. However, Diggs is still producing at a filthy level because he's the only guy in that team that can catch a pass. Gabe yeah. Davis is worth three targets a game, but each of those targets are Hail Mary nukes, hoping he gets behind the defense. Dawson Knox is completely regressed from two years ago. Dalton Kincaid, who didn't play, 
hasn't come on as strong as the other rookie tight ends have. And that's not an indictment. Kid's 22 years old, probably. He's a rookie. He'll have time to figure it out. There's a reason why they trusted him enough to take him in the first round when they just paid Dawson Knox. But he wasn't even there. There is no wide receiver three. And you mentioned the lack of running game because they don't want to try to run the ball. James Cook, I think, is a decent running back. They don't give him options. They don't give him chances because it's usually Josh Allen throwing it. But it is a really, really weird kind of status quo, if you will, in Buffalo, where they are 4-2, and two, but you're right. That was a game they should have lost, and they are playing with fire. Yeah. Um, did you say, fraud, okay. Your fraud of the week. See, I went on such a rant, you forgot what topic we were on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my fraud of the week. Uh, whew, I, I, this kind of feels like dirty coming out of my mouth, but uh, and it's a bit aggressive. It's Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts has not been the same. I know they're five and one, and that's one loss. Uh, and it's how can you criticize him for one game? He did throw three interceptions on Sunday um, against a good defense in the Jets. He has not looked. I don't know what the numbers are. I don't have him in fantasy this year, so I don't pay quite as much attention to them, quite honestly. But he has not looked nearly as sharp or nearly as comfortable. He kind of looks like the. Uh, Jalen Hurts the year that Tua was trying to take his job and eventually did take his job. That's what this remind this Jalen Hurts reminds me of. He just looks uncomfortable. He's serviceable and doing a fairly good job, but he just doesn't look comfortable Jalen Hurts like we've seen the past two years in the NFL um, and at Oklahoma when he uh, uh, almost won a Heisman. So that's my fraud. That's an interesting one. Um, I'm going to add on to this just for kind of some context for those listening. I'm upset at Jalen Hurts because he gifted the New York Jets three interceptions and you were playing against the New York Jets defense. And not that it mattered because Tony Pollard went off in the end, but he made it so much harder for you to win your fantasy game. So I also hate Jalen Hurts. <laughs> yeah, you hear that, Jalen? Come on the pod if you want, man. <laughs> we but, get more views than the Kelsey podcast, so uh, that's tough. I don't know about that. Buddy might but be da- dating Taylor Swift. We can't confirm or deny. I, I'm, I am actually dating Taylor Swift. You heard it here first. Yeah, no, the NFL—they just, they're, you know, some viewership not doing so hot. They wanted to hit a new market, so they're like, "Well, who could realistically be dating Taylor Swift?" And they're like, "Let's give it to this lunatic." And that's why that's why they think Travis Kelsey's dating her, but it's really me. Um, it's really super fan of the Lions. Yes. Vladimir. They just Lions wanted, super fan. Wanted, one, two, wanted more buzz around the Lions. Screw the <laughs> yeah. But so I'm going to get to the game of the week. I think that's kind of the last one we have. Uh, I'm actually kind of glad that we had to delay by a week because my game of the week was Dallas and the Chargers. While this game did follow the kind of the lack of scoring that the other games have that I kind of harped on, I'm going to at least give this one because it was kind of close the entire way. Um, I mean, it wasn't a classic. The, uh, I'll give Dallas credit. Um, they bounced back tremendously after getting just run off the field in San Francisco. Um, they got CD Lamb involved, which is something they've really struggled to do this year. I mean, I know it's only six weeks in, but after the first five weeks, he only had one game of more than four catches. They made sure that they got him the ball. He finished with a decent, I think it was eight or nine catches for, he might have eclipsed, he definitely eclipsed 100 yards. He had a good game, and that's kind of what Dallas needs to do. He's their best offensive playmaker. Get him the ball. As usual, the defense is the defense. Kept the Chargers to 17 points, and I will say that seven of those were kind of a Mickey Mouse point that they gave up where I think it was the second down Justin Herbert throws. not a stupid pass, but a pass that gets jumped by the DB. The DB goes full Joukowsky tart, and instead of catching it, just kind of lets him hit him in the body without remembering, hey, I've got opposable thumbs. I can clamp this thing with my hands and make sure it doesn't go away anywhere. And then they get a little bit of a Mickey Mouse. uh, not, Not Mickey Mouse, but a slightly questionable defensive pass interference followed by an incredibly weird muffed punt where the, I think it's uh Turpin is back to receive a punt for the Cowboys. 
he gets blocked into by his own guy who's getting run over by a Chargers gunner. Um, ball bounces, bounces a couple more times than Jalen Tolbert comes in, all guns blazing. I think he thought that one of the ball had kind of bounced off of one of the Cowboys players, but he goes all guns blazing trying to recover it. Can't do so. Muffed punt by definition. Chargers take the ball over, and then they finally go down the field and score a touchdown. Um, this is where I kind of talked about it a little bit more. Um, I know that I know the defense is good, but Justin Herbert, man. Just so we know, a top five QB in football for most people on a pretty, pretty stacked roster. I know Mike Williams is not there right now, but on a pretty stacked roster is now, checks notes, two and three. Just going to throw that out yeah. there. Yeah, the Herbert thing's interesting because uh, they showed a graphic, I think, as he went out for the first drive, um, that he's – his numbers are averaging nearly 5,000 yards per year based on how many passing yards he's thrown. He's thrown almost like two touchdowns per game on average, but he's now 26 and 28 as a starter. Yeah, I mean, good for him. Let him get all the Matthew Stafford uh, fourth quarter bullshit numbers that we used to revel about and people used to talk about. But no, um, I've long been. I, the, I'm a, I still. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I don't know what it is that I like. Still think he's in my dumb sports brand brain. I say this expression all the time. It's like it's so hard to get off assumptions in my dumb brain. I just go to Justin Herbert being good, but that doesn't necessarily associate to him being a dog or a winner or an actual guy that you want with the game on the line. Um, and that's kind of what he's been. It's just good and not. Like a a Kirk Cousins, so to speak, even though you want to put him in a different category because he can throw the ball a much more sexier way than Kirk Cousins can. But he's kind of in that category. He's a TikTok quarterback. He's great for six seconds. He can throw a nice highlight reel spiral for 70 yards, but he'll miss some tight windows. He'll throw the ball to the other team. He had the, again, game ceiling interception, good way to uh, I think Stephon Gilmore jumped the route and he kind of bullied Quentin Quentin Johnson, who kind of looks like a little bit of a dud right now, a first-round pick for wide receivers. Um, I know we mentioned Jamos, Jamison Williams doing that. Quentin Johnston looks like he's, even now with Mike Williams dying, the clear wide receiver three, if not wide receiver four in L.A. Josh Palmer's kind of assumed wide receiver two duties. But the last thing I'm going to say about Justin Herbert, and I, I don't want it to sound like a, a Justin Herbert anti-sermon, but he is going to be on his third head coach in five years when this season concludes in a poor way. They are going to fire Brandon Staley. Yeah. Or I guess his third coach in five years. Usually great quarterbacks don't have three coaches in five years. Usually they win enough games, so they have the same coach for those five years. Um, again, I'm not going to go sit here and call him some average quarterback. I understand he can do things that other guys can't. It's just when I hear people talk about him, in the likes of the Burrow, the Josh Allen, it's like shut up. If shut up, they will if they can. The Chargers continue on this run. Hey, um, listen, they, their next game is against the Chiefs. We might be looking at two and four top five quarterback Justin Herbert. What do you think? Do you think it gets to a point where, say, they're three and seven, and uh, Steely gets fired in the middle of the season? I could see it. Yeah, me too. You know, the, and the other thing is, it's it's kind of funny because he's so protected. Where's his yeah. slack? Where's where's someone saying, "Hey, man, you got to be a little bit better." It's always, "Oh, Brandon Staley, <gasps> injuries." Oh my God, why doesn't why is responsibility not ever on his shoulders? They want to pay him two hundred sixty million dollars. Go go get criticized like a two hundred sixty million dollar man. Speaking of uh, a two hundred sixty dollar man that uh, was getting criticized, that kind of goes into. Uh, I have two games of the week. One is the uh, Seattle Seahawks and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and the other is the Jake Moody Bowl, the Cleveland Browns, and the San Francisco 49ers. I'll start uh, with the Cincinnati game. I think those are two teams that you're looking at are going to be uh, probably wild card teams. And I think both those teams are going to be super, super tough outs when it comes to playoff time. I think the difference in that game was simply Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Geno Smith. You watch Geno Smith kind of run around for his life and look super indecisive on that last game-winning drive, and that kind of was the difference. 
Uh, Joe Burrow's back. It seems like the Bengals are back. That's two in a row against two. Uh, well, I guess the Cardinals suck, but against one solid team in Seattle, I think. And again, both those teams will be there right down the stretch at the end of the year. Important win for Cincinnati. I know they. I think they play the Bills and the 49ers in their next two games coming off the bye week. Uh, I believe they have a bye this week, and then they'll play those two teams. So needed that to go get into three and three, uh, especially in this division with the Steelers at 500, uh, or sorry, three and two. I think uh, the Baltimore's at four and two, and um, Cleveland's with their big win is also above 500 now. So. Uh, all three team, all four teams, five hundred or better. They needed that to stay alive, uh, so it's an important one for them. As far as Cleveland and 49ers, I, I think I sat down with you at one o'clock, and you said, "Man, you really bet the Browns plus nine and a half? What a terrible bet!" And I said, "Trust me, this Cleveland Browns defense is legit. They're one of the best in the league." Jim Schwartz, former Lions coach. He knows what he's doing as a coordinator. It didn't really work out as a head coach. And what did the Cleveland Browns defense do? They made Black Brock Purdy look like Mr. Irrelevant, that's for sure. Uh, it was a wet, ugly game. I know he kind of had a lot of balls slip out of his hands. Maybe he should get bigger hands. Uh, but he looked like Mr. Irrelevant. I know part of that is Debo and CMC going down in the game, uh, losing his weapons. And as someone that was uh, – of the camp going before that, that was you now have to look at Brock Purdy as a top 10, 12 quarterback. Uh, it's It goes beyond just having a, a good setup and good weapons around him. I kind of am drifting off of that take after watching this past Sunday. Uh, he was pretty bad. Uh, it, it, P.J. Walker did enough on offense to get it done after a great defensive performance. But really what got it done was Jake Mooney missing a 41-yard field goal to end the game. I feel bad. Uh, I know him personally. He's a good kid. Um, had a great career in Michigan and was a third-round pick, so it comes with a lot of expectations. Uh, I do feel bad because they had Robbie Gold there, who was so consistent for so long that uh, I think fans were kind of, despite him being however old he was and moving on, I think there was some natural resistance from 49ers fans to get a new guy and waste such a high pick on a kicker. Uh, and he's, it's also unfortunate because he's been awesome besides that kick. Um, and that kind of being his first high leverage situation to miss is such a bad taste in fans mouth for a while that it'll takes, it'll take a lot of other moments for people to forget that, but that's just the nature of being a kicker. So that's, it's unfortunate and 49ers get their first loss. Yeah. Being a kicker is a very thankless job. I know we, you said we were watching the game together. I mean, within minutes of that miss, you see Robbie gold trending on Twitter and it's all the San yeah. Francisco fans up in arms saying, what well, this is why when Robbie gold asks for $3 million a year, you pay him $3 million a year and you don't ask questions. And you're right. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that that's kind of a, it's a very early um, kind of bad taste, sour taste in the mouths of fans because that, that, that's a first impression. First impressions lasts. He will need to kind of go on a nice streak of, I don't want to say game winners, but kind of being very, very good for very, very long periods of time because that's the only way you can win the fans back over. It, is it fair? Is it not fair? I don't know. I don't make those rules, but I'll be a little, I'll be a little nicer on Purdy just to, just to kind of cap off uh, what you were saying earlier is, Purdy also did technically did enough for his team to win. He got yeah. Rudy into a into a position to I think it was what a forty three yarder or forty five yarder or something that should be made from an NFL kicker and yeah. it didn't go in. Sometimes that happens, but it was uh it was interesting. I, I I agree with you completely. Where I think Purdy is so insulated in that system with all those guys, and I know that other great quarterbacks do that. It is a team sport on both ends, even when the quarterback's not on the field. But I do think that just with Purdy, there is a little bit more limitation to him where his upper echelons are probably elite game manager. He's not – I don't think he's game winner QB. So Here's here's what I'm going to – here's my comparison for him, and this could be inaccurate. His ceiling is Phillip Rivers. Got it. It's, it's unfortunate that Phillip Rivers, like the majority of his career was the – 
the the 2000s because I don't fully remember him when he was like actual Philip Rivers. I remember the Philip Rivers in Indianapolis who couldn't throw a football anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm not. I, I don't know if I can sit here and agree or disagree with that, but I think I know what you're saying in the sense that like he's not going to come out there and be this perennial top five quarterback. He's not going to be like. I mean, could you call him a Kirk Cousins if you will? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I just like picture Kirk Cousins is like as elite of a game manager as it gets, basically. I like a good a, a good quarterback that's never gonna be like if he had all the right pieces around him and when they were in San Diego, they probably could have won. Instead, they just kind of were just always just one piece away, it felt like, and had a lot of like eight and eight and nine and seven seasons while he was there. And he didn't have the greatest arm. They were always in every game. He, he could lead them on a drive when need be. He had kind of a bit of a clutch gene, you know, in the last uh, towards uh, for game ending drives. Um, and the skill set in general just reminds me of Philip Rivers a little bit, as is ceiling, obviously. I mean, uh, again, I, I'm not going to sit here and try and remember what I watched when I was a nine year old, but. I, I can't I can't agree or disagree. I, I don't think it's a bad comparison. I just think that I guess that there is there is limitations to his game, and we'll see kind of what the uh, what the Forty can do. It's kind of funny where I think I was kind of saying, or I think some people were saying during the week, the only people who can really beat the Forty ers is themselves. I mean, you look at it, five and zero, lose both guys, still get right. within a forty yard field goal on the road against a good Cleveland Brown team of winning, and they beat themselves as as usual, but. Yeah, and it kind of seems like that's the only way. The only way you can beat them is defense and the weather, and then them, them hurting themselves. Hey, well, hopefully the Lions will find a way to do it. Um, so, all right. So after we're a third of the way through the season now, so give me your top five teams in the entire NFL: San Francisco 49ers, one; Kansas City Chiefs, two; Philadelphia Eagles, three. I'll go Miami Dolphins four, Detroit Lions five. The only reason I put the, the the Lions and the Dolphins lower than the rest of those teams, even though they're all with the same record, is I'm going to give a little bit of benefit of the doubt to the teams that I've seen win the important games before. Yeah, I agree. You've seen the Chiefs win a Super Bowl. You've seen the 49ers core make a Super Bowl. You've seen the Eagles make a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl with some of the guys that are still left from that 18 team. So – I would I would say those five those five teams. If I had to sit there and maybe pick one of the four and two squads, I don't know. I mean, we we just harped on them, but maybe Buffalo just because I feel like they are so talented on paper that eventually they have to figure it out. I could edge yeah. them in with kind of the Dolphins and us, but those are kind of the. I mean, I would I would figure that's most people's teams. I mean, do you have an order different than mine? No, I actually don't at all. But I'm now. I, now my next question was: You had to sub out one of the four and two teams into there. If I'm going to read them off to you, who would you pick as the most the big the most potential, or who's the best in your mind? Buffalo, Baltimore, Jacksonville, and the Cowboys. Jacksonville, absolutely not. I think they. I think they're a very lucky four and two. Um, Baltimore is interesting because they are kind of the they they're they're the, up there with the Steelers of like the epitome of su- sustained success you always feel like the Ravens are in the playoffs whether it be as a division winner or as a wild card team so they're they're never going to get easy out I'm going to go with Buffalo like I said I think that roster they have won a couple of big games for they made obviously they had the AFC title game a few title run a few years ago I will go with Buffalo, but I would if I had to order the four and two teams, I'd probably go Buffalo, Dallas, Baltimore. I just think Baltimore's style of kind of dink and dunk the the is Lamar Jackson a runner, is Lamar Jackson a passer? I think that's not really built to win in the playoffs. So I think that maybe I would give them a little bit of a, a little bit of a pullback. But by no means are they a bad team. I think any of them could be kind of interchangeable. Let's say us, just because I think the Dolphins are maybe a little better than we are. The Dolphins just kind of have the, the X factor of they have just can score at will. Yep. Like so, I know that is a factor. 
Um, and I know they're kind of just like us. They haven't really been there. Uh, and will that style of football hold up when it's cold and playoff yes. time uh, is really up for the bait because we haven't seen it in the years past hold up. So will we see it again? It's nice when we're in mid-October right now, but in two months from now when we're at week 14 and it's 50 degrees turns into 25 degrees, uh, will those hamstrings hold up? Uh, it's yet to be seen. Now you, you you make a good point with the Dolphins. I mean, I mean you can tear apart any team pretty much, bar the Chiefs or the 49ers, just because of there are limitations to all of them. You're right. Have we seen the Dolphins actually do it? No. Have we, I mean, if, if, is two is is Tua even going to be playing in December? Mm-hmm. We don't know because he is one more hit, one more blindsided sack away from retiring because he's had too many concussions in an 18 month span. All of that's true. So. The only two teams that I could like, if you if you had if you said gun to my head, Super Bowl, I'd probably go Chiefs 49ers just because those are the teams I trust the most. Yeah. What can I say? I'd agree at this point, and I even think you could go as far as, uh, maybe not the 49ers, but you could definitely with some of their performances and wins, and um, obviously the last week one, there's you could dive into the Chiefs a little bit and nitpick them if you really wanted to. Um, but again, kind of like you said, just reiterating that they've been there and done that to where they've earned the respect of like you shouldn't be doing that. You should you should trust them moving forward. Yep. All right. Um, I think we've we, we we rambled a little bit. Whether we we added a little bit of content that we weren't planning on adding, but I think it was good, nice long episode to those who have made it this far. Thank you very much. I will say, as always, go Lions. Last word to you, Connor. Give it a go. It's rivalry week. Why not? All right. Go White.